All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Arc of Rock podcast. I'm your host, Jared Cornelius, and with me tonight on this very special Friday night is uh, three-fifths of the band Medicine Horse, and I am very grateful and uh, very thankful that they agreed to be here tonight because uh, they definitely didn't have to be, so thank you guys for uh, coming on. Uh, I'll have y'all go ahead and introduce yourselves to the podcast if we want to go right to left. Uh, Go ahead and introduce yourself and tell the people where you're from. Sure. Uh, my name's Chris West. I'm the bassist for Medicine Horse. Uh, I live in Collinsville. I'm originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. So, Oh, wow. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, man. So you're the one from Col- I kept hearing one of you guys was from Collinsville, and I was like, oh, my gosh. It's probably Travis. Well, <laughs> oh, I probably was. He lives in Collinsville now. I grew up. At, like, I lived in Collinsville for, like, 30-something years. Oh, okay. I work around there all the time. That's okay. why. I'm, yeah. But, uh... So- Okay, uh, I'm Nico Albert Williams. I'm the vocalist for Medicine Horse, and I guess I'm from Tulsa now. I've been here for twenty three some years. So, where are you from originally? Originally, um, Bakersfield, California. Oh wow! And I moved around a lot. Spent uh, middle school and high school, and a little bit of college in Phoenix, Arizona. Also, so that's awesome. Yeah. So you've traveled around quite a bit. Yeah, I've been here and there. <laughs> All right, and then uh, Travis Rowe, uh, guitar from Collinsville, living in Tulsa. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's about it. Travis from Collinsville. Yes, that's what you'll be known as from this yes, point forward. Yes, Travis, Travis from, from Collinsville. Collinsville. You're not the only Travis from Collinsville. I've been around there. There's yeah, there's, a couple a, of there's them. definitely a, quite a few Travises walking around there. I know most of them. <laughs> they all hang out at the Silver Dollar. Yeah, we keep a we keep a tight group um yeah the travis's <laughs> yeah <laughs> they got a facebook group but anyway um before we get into the music and uh talking about all that because i do want to get to know y'all's influences because i and also just for the people out there we talked about it on the podcast intro, uh telling everybody y'all were coming on that uh, y'all put a new album out and it's a uh, self-titled medicine horse correct yeah yeah Yep, and uh, I love it, by the way. Dead Medicine is what a great song to kick an album off with. Thank you. I love the song Badlands. Seeing that live was cool. and uh, But uh, everybody should go check that out, and uh, we're going to talk about that. But uh, I'd like to get to know y'all outside of the music. And uh, because I've heard an interesting story about you that we'll get to, but uh, I'd I'd like to uh, go around. That's uh, ominous. Are you threatening me? No, no, no. no. It's just really cool. It's just really cool. But uh, we'll go around same way. And uh, if you'd like, uh, like, uh, tell me a little bit about what you do outside of playing in Medicine Horse, like what your day to day like, what you, you know, what your outside interests for music are and everything. Right on. Uh, I'll start since I'm right next to you. What I do, I guess, outside of Medicine Horse, I'm, it's kind of unique. I don't really have a nine-to-five. Uh, I'm a food producer and a farmer, basically, is what oh, okay. I do. Uh, we're heading into the growing season now, so my life is consumed with uh, getting my beds ready and getting seeds going and, and that. Um, that's basically what I do to make a living. And as far as, man, influences and music, man, I'm... I started a lot in the, the punk rock scene uh, in New Orleans, and then the Seattle punk is Mud Honey, Nirvana, Sonic Youth. Oh yeah, it's kind of kind of where uh, I cut my teeth with music and started there. So, oh yeah, yeah man, I've definitely got a lot of questions about New or- the New Orleans scene to ask about you. But uh, yeah. Nico, uh, outside of playing a medicine horse uh, in your day to day, like what what do you uh, what is your day to day like? What, what do you do outside of playing a medicine horse? 
Well, um, I founded a nonprofit organization, and so I'm the executive director of that now. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, it's called Burning Cedar Sovereign Wellness, okay. and it's an intertribal um, community wellness center in Tulsa. So um, it's a lot of like cooking workshops. I'm a chef by trade. Oh, okay. um, that's what I did for my career for so many years, and um, just kind of decided to, after the pandemic to take it a different direction. So now I do cooking classes and um, just kind of teach people about um, traditional native foods and how to live a healthier lifestyle by reconnecting with traditional native foods. That's awesome. Yeah. If you don't mind me asking, what uh, what tribe are you a part of? I'm Cherokee. You're Cherokee. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And... Uh, um, Hell yeah! He's, he also yeah, he's been saying it the whole week. Osta. <laughs> um, is your husband? Is he in the band? Yes. And uh, his name is Kyle Williams. He's Ponca Oto, Iowa. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and so he also plays guitar in the band. Yep. And uh, I uh, I got to bump into him at the show the other night. I actually got to see these guys play at 89th Street Collective. It was my second time going there, and it was them. Uh, second shooters, self-inflicted, and uh, go ahead and die. Max Cavalier's new project with his son Igor, and I thought it was an awesome show. I love that venue; yeah. um, it's awesome there. And uh, but the first time I saw y'all, uh, you actually had some uh, dancers come out on the stage, and I thought that was awesome. Like I thought I was like, this is the perfect Oklahoma metal band right here. <laughs> like if there was a if there was a picture of it in the dictionary, I put it right here because it was like I'd I'd actually never heard anything like it seeing that. So I think it's really cool how y'all incorporate that. And uh if anybody uh hears that, she's got a non profit, so help her out with yeah. that. Burning burningcedar.org. Go check it out. Yeah, hell yeah. That's awesome. That's a really cool to know. I before we get to you, Travis, because I have gotten to talk to you quite a bit. I wish you'd have went the other way because this is gonna be very <laughs> anticlimactic. <laughs> Well, before I, I invented the light bulb. <laughs> well, Travis, we'll get. To, what do you do outside of Medicine Horse? I I work a, a dickhead job, uh, <laughs> just like a, a office gig. Um, basically, well, kind of wherever, um, and then just hobbies, tanker, and then I, uh, wonderful wife and two little baby twins. Oh, that's awesome. about See, a year that ain't old. Nothing. So. Yeah. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two awesome. babies at one time. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a not everybody can pull that off. Yeah. And they got like they they look exactly the same. I mean, like my <laughs> no, mom. They're not identical. Oh, they're, they're it's the, a boy and a girl. See, I can't remember what the other kind. I think nocturnal uh, twins or yeah, something. Yeah, I, I like that. Fraternal, that nocturnal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They probably they're little. Thank God they're not nocturnal. But you only see them at night. But. uh but Nico, I had a question for you, and it was just what I heard. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, so you're a chef. I heard that. And um, is it true that you worked on with uh, the Killers of the Flower Moon uh, set, like you know, with the food operation part of it? And you also got to work closely with uh, Leo himself. Yes, I did. That yeah. is. Can you tell me uh, the podcast a little bit about what that was like? Yeah. Um, so I was Leo's personal chef during the filming of Killers of the Flower Moon. Wow. So that was like um, six months of being on call pretty much 24 hours a day. Um, not that he would ever like need a snack in the middle of the night or anything. Like that would have been weird. In the afternoon. I want a sandwich. <laughs> Get over <No>. here. <laughs> but it was really just the way that that movies work. You never really know when he's going to be, you know, done with work for the day yeah. or whatever. So sometimes it would be, you know, they'd be off 
two hours before I thought they would be and they'd be like oh we're on our way what's for dinner and I would have to scramble and make some shit up um or it would be I would like put together a really beautiful meal and then wait around for six hours and they still wouldn't be done and I'd just be standing there like okay (laughs) oh wow so it was a really interesting experience though he was really cool and um you know his whole family came to visit and um his girlfriend at the time was here all the time so I spent a lot more time with her because she was just around the house hanging out oh wow um and yeah both of their families were in town all the time so we would do big family dinners and stuff it was cool that's awesome it was wild it was a very different world to live in for a like short amount of time I thought it was really cool when I heard that because my boss uh, his name's Trey he was actually like a stand-in extra in the movie I think he got the hand Leo as like a train ticket or something or something like in the train (laughs) scene nice Oh, all right, everybody, get down. <laughs> get down, everybody. We got one, it's early. coming. It got me earlier. Storm's yeah. coming. Yes, I guess. Uh, sorry about that. But um, <laughs> but he actually got to uh, <laughs> start over. <laughs> sorry, everybody. Listen, I'm just going to go out and say this is my podcast, but I think a missing child is a little more important. I'm not yeah. going to lie. So everybody out there knows that there's one out there now. But anyway, um, I thought that was really cool because my boss got to work on the set, too. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that shit was done right here. I know. It was really that was the most surreal part was that I was just like driving around Pahuska and like Fairfax. And I'm like, this is so weird. Like I would normally just come here like visiting people or whatever. But like the whole street is transformed and there's cameras and crew everywhere. And I, I mean, it was just wild to see something like that happening in like rural Oklahoma. That's yeah, especially. I mean, actually, I mean, if I'm not wrong, I think they've been doing a lot of like they filmed a lot of movies or parts of movies in like western Oklahoma to like the more rural parts because like I mean, plenty of land to do it on. I mean, you know, uh, I think Marvel has shot quite a few scenes. I think uh, they had a scene from Loki that was shot there when he's going through the you know the multiverse mirror or whatever it's called. I can't remember, but I think, <laughs> but I just I thought it was cool that a lot of that was. Uh, was happening and then when i found out killers of the flower moon i love leo i've never seen a bad movie he's been in and then martin scorsese probably my second favorite director so that was just really cool and to hear that you were part of that i mean not to mention i mean <laughs> listen i mean maybe the you know having a cook on call thing isn't the great part but you got to meet him i guess i mean that's cool yeah no definitely not complaining it was yeah. it was it was it was just a very interesting life to have for you know five six months and then when the you know, film wraps, they all like pick up and leave and it's like it never happened. Wow. It was weird. Yeah, it was very strange. Like very abrupt ending and then it's just over and you go back to your regular life. Like, what do I do now? And what's great <laughs> is they probably didn't have to do much to Fairfax to make it look like, you know, the way it's <laughs> no. right there. It, ain't, it ain't changed and there ain't like a best western right there in the middle of town, you know what I mean? And a no, Sonic. I think they had a pretty easy job in the <laughs> props department. You know, maybe like a modern day law firm they had to cover up or something, you know. But anyway, uh, let's get into uh, I want to ask you guys. I want to ask all of y'all about uh, I would love to hear like how you got into music at an early age or when you got into it. And if you could like, you know, and not even just metal, uh, just what, all, what kind of music influenced you and what made you want to play the instrument you're playing. You're a, you play uh, bass in the band, correct? So yes, sir. I'd love to. I mean, when you're a bass player, I can only imagine what kind of people you're listening to to get into it. But like uh, name. Can you tell me at an early age what got you into playing music and uh, like some of the stuff you were sure. listening to? So uh, my dad, uh, he's a, he was a blues drummer in New Orleans. So 
uh, I got my first actual drum kit when I was five years old and started playing oh, wow. drums. And uh, he kind of forced it and pushed it on me, so I didn't really want to do it. Uh, and then to piss him off, I picked up a bass when I was like, 13 <laughs> <laughs> that'll do it the enemy uh, yeah how dare you <laughs> i think he was still a little happy i was still part of the rhythm section with that yeah, yeah. but uh he was like bass not guitar and i was like no nah, yeah we're sticking with bass uh so i i've been playing music for, for a long time you'd think it'd be better than what i am but <laughs> <laughs> i say that to myself all the time but uh so man i, I started playing uh in New Orleans, our first band, I was like 14 years old, covering like Nirvana songs and oh, all yeah. that. Uh, and then uh, when I got a little bit older, about 17 or so, I formed a, we formed a, a New Orleans metal band. And uh, we got to play with some really cool people in the New Orleans scene that a lot of names you would recognize. Uh, played a lot with Dax Riggs. Um, uh, we played with like his, I think it's, what is it, Elephant Boy? Ah, yeah. I, I oh. I always we played with up. Agents of Oblivion. Dead Boy and the Elephant, Elephant Man. Man. Yes, yeah, there, there you go. go. Yeah, yeah. There you go, Nico. Yeah, we played, uh, we played with Goat Horse, Orland Green, uh, oh a gosh. lot of those guys in New Orleans. Uh, and then Hurricane Katrina hit in 2005, then pushed me here to Tulsa, and uh, my New Orleans band kind of disbanded. Some of them went to uh, California to try out to, to make it there and form a different band. Um, and they went and added for a few years and, and disbanded and... Uh, I guess what two two years ago, Madison Horse uh, Kyle hit me up. He knew I was putting on social media like, "Hey, I'm looking to play music. You can jump back in it." And uh, he messaged me, and I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." Oh so, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, man. <laughs> so like you like I, I was actually listening to him earlier, and uh, I can hear a lot of it because like you guys definitely have like a sludgy sound to it, and that's, for sure I can hear that New Orleans influence in the music and everything, like with Acid Bath. Like you big, I mean, you said Dax, but like are you a big Acid Bath fan and <laughs> huge, huge yeah. Acid Bath fan. Yeah, <laughs> they're so unique. There's yeah, nothing man. like no, them. No, there's nothing like them. Uh, it, I mean, and Kite String. Kite String is such a, a oh, is a, such an awesome album. I love both the albums that they have out there, but uh, that's that one is timeless for me. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, it's a shame. I mean, because like I, I found myself, I kept getting into bands. I was like, this is like one of the best bands ever. And it's like, oh, they did two albums and then never did anything else again. I'm like, oh, I know. That's like how it was whenever I got into a uh, <laughs> uh, Blind Melon. I got into them. Shannon Hoon, man. Yes. Well, yeah. I got into them. I was like, this is fucking... Because I was like, huge in the Allman Brothers at the time. And I listened to them. And, like, I don't know how I put, like, this together in my stupid head. But I was like, they remind me a lot of, like, they got a Southern rock thing going with them. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he had just an incredible voice. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just Shannon Hoon died in New Orleans. I don't know if you remember that. Wow. It all comes together. I yeah. brought up Blind Melon. <laughs> 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 it all comes together. Yeah. But, like, no. he. I just, like, I listened to them. And then... I was like, this guy died. Like, so I got into him for no reason. Now I'm just going to be depressed about it the rest of my life. I listened to these two albums and then, you know, eight months of, you know, sadness. But, it, uh, but no, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Acid Bat, uh, the Kite String album, that uh, When the Kite String Pops. Yeah. Is, uh, I'm glad they did as many songs on it as they did. They did. They did a lot on that. God Machine album, yeah. is one of my favorite songs off that album. Though. I just listened to The Blue earlier. Yep. What the fucking progressions in that song. Yeah, no. I I love the New Orleans. I mean, I'm a big Down fan. Yeah. I uh, actually saw... Uh, I actually wanted to talk to you all about this. Uh, we uh, I saw Goat Whore in I Hate God 
at the 89th Street Collective right on uh, back in September 1st I think it was and they had a band open up for them and I don't know if y'all are familiar with these with these guys uh, they're called Cancer Christ they're out of uh, California man that name sounds familiar but they were of... they were the opening they were uh, the opening band for Goat Horn I Hate God on that last run that they did before I Hate God went to Japan I think and uh, they're new I think uh, they got a couple EPs I think they got about I don't know, 20 minutes worth of music and like 22 songs or something like that. <laughs> they got wow. 22 songs, 22 minutes worth of some music, you know what I mean? But uh, So you know, you guys have been at the 89th Street Collective. You know what it looks like in there. Right on. These yeah. fucking guys. They're from California. And uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I took, I think I ate about 200 milligrams worth of edibles before we went to the show. <laughs> and I do that before I go to every show and I'm fine. Yeah. But this time, I don't know what it was. I'd never been there. When I go to places I've never been, I get a little, I don't know, I get paranoid and everything about that. But I don't know why. But uh, I go there. And, dude, you guys know I hate God fans and goat whore fans. They're some of the creepiest. You think you're going to get stabbed. <laughs> you think you're going to get fucking stabbed. You think you're going to get mugged. You know what I mean? Which I guess I'm not worried really. That I don't, That's just what's going through my head. And everyone's just, like, you know, talking and everything. But, like, I'm just looking at this fucking cr- cr- crowd of sleazeballs. It's <laughs> the best way i can describe it that place was packed that night but cancer christ these guys so here's how i can describe it so there's a they're a five-piece band six-piece band the singer dresses up he's got like a priest's uh garb i don't know what it's called uh, the white robe thing yeah. he's got yeah, that yeah, with yeah. a red sash and there's just blood stains all over it old blood stains like fake blood obviously but that's what he's wearing with a cowboy hat oh. and everybody else <laughs> okay. in the band is dressed up like like lizards, reptiles. No, okay. like the bass player is like wearing a mesh I'm shirt. Listening. He's like dressed like a sex slave. He's got leather shorts oh. on. He's got boots. He's the guitar player's leather pants, shirtless, blood all over him, lizard mask. The drum. These guys walk in. They come in through the crowd. I've never seen anything like this, and I got to give them credit. They also gave me a panic attack, but we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> these fucking guys. I got to give them credit for only getting. They played twenty five minutes. I'm telling you. Like with, with with like talking in between songs and everything, they ain't got thirty minutes worth of music. I'm telling you, so like, but they put so much into stage presence, the show, creeping people out. Like they put so much into it that I respected the hell out of it. But it freaked me out for the first six minutes, which is a quarter of the show. <laughs> yeah, but these fucking guys. So I've never seen anything like it. They come through the crowd, the band. And there's, like, this creepy, like, you know, Joel Steen fucking talking, like, you know, God, will strike you down. Like, it's just playing over the top loud. I'm at the height of, you know, the edibles hitting me, so I'm just like, fuck. I'm like, where's the wall? Where's the wall? And I'm just hearing this. And they come through the crowd. They're bumping into people, flipping them off like that in their face. The drummer gets on. And I'm not going to lie. I, I, a lot of shit, you know, anything goes at a metal show. The drummer got on stage and blew a snot rocket, and I saw the guy's face that it hit (laughs) in the front row. And I'm like, listen, dog, I don't care what you're doing. Part of the show, I'll get up and fucking be here. There's literally two feet between me and you. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? This is a post-pandemic world. I heard it. You cannot put your bodily fluids on people. I heard it smack his face. So I'm literally like, oh, these people, these band doesn't give a fuck about the crowd. They don't care about us. They don't care. And this is on my head, obviously. So that's the band coming up on stage. They're up there, you know. And then the singer, I'm like, this can't get any worse, obviously. And the singer, like, I just see 
fucking flamethrower right what? at the door but where the ticket oh thing is God. he fucking was shooting a flamethrower right outside of That's the front like door some great white shit there dude the roof of the 89th street collective is as high as my house roof like look it's not that much taller <laughs> he's shooting a flamethrower right out there and i'm like he's gonna burn the fucking house down he's gonna burn it down and uh he walks in <laughs> this is, i'm freaking out i'm literally like grabbing my dad's arm <laughs> it's too much it's too much he's shooting yeah. a flamethrower it's like fucking vietnam in here but like he walks in he goes through the crowd he's like taking his hat off he's like doing that fucking thing he gets up there he has a fucking like thing that shoots blood mm. and he's squirting the crowd as he's walking through it and i'm like my dad's wearing a long sleeve white shirt so he's trying to get the fuck away uh, from him because yeah. he just bought it the night before yeah. he's like oh hell no i just got this and uh and so he gets up there he walks through the crowd does a nice pass right across the front of the crowd and like i said it's not a you know you know what i mean you've been there yeah. so you're people just getting shot right in the face with a stream of red fake blood goodness dousing them and then uh he pulls a bible out and lights it on fire and starts ripping pages out and throwing it in the crowd people are scrambling and grabbing it but this is all before they've played a song <laughs> they haven't yeah, played a note like, of the guitar i haven't heard whole dude that's <laughs> the most perfect way I've ever heard anyone. They blew their whole wad at the beginning and I'm almost on the ground like Tony Soprano passing out over here. I actually felt better once they started playing because they weren't bad. They were pretty good. Like I said, every song is 45 seconds. But I thought you guys would appreciate that. They played 25, 30 minutes and that's how they came in to that place. Wow. You know what was funny? You really got to back that up with good music because you can't come out with all that theatrics and then suck well well, you know the best way i can describe them is like punk infused like speed metal like super nasty fast fast and dirty short Mm -hmm. like i think they got a song called baptized and piss and shit like they're vile i'm not gonna lie Mm. i'm not gonna lie you read their song titles you're like Something you don't show I'm listening to this right. it's like 45 seconds long. I mean, yeah. you might like it. If you like punk stuff, you check them out. They're super theatrical. Allen, so. Oh, well, dude. <laughs> they, they, no, they didn't top that. No one shit on the stage and threw it at the crowd. Mm. The snot rocket. That was not metal. I'm just going to say that out there. <laughs> yeah. It's not metal. <laughs> it's not metal to blow a snot rocket in someone's face. But, uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, but I got to see that. So uh, that was the goat whore. You know what's crazy? That was also the only show I've ever been to that they moshed from as soon as they started playing until I had gone had the craziest mosh pit I've ever seen. These people weren't even moshing. They're fighting each other in the crowd. Fucking, I saw this guy crowd surfing. He's just punching down on the top of people's heads. They look like <laughs> dirt bags, I'm telling you. They look <laughs> oh, like man. vampires that come out of the shadows. But, uh, but yeah, that's... I wanted, that's, I wanted us to be on that show really bad. That would have been actually. awesome. I really did. Mm. We, we tried. Y'all would have played after Cancer Christ, I'll tell you that much. They're definitely opening whoever the <laughs> fuck they're playing with. <sighs> Those guys. But no, but uh, Nico, I, w- I would love to hear uh, some of your early influences and like what got you into like music and everything. Outs- even outside of metal. So I'm the one in the band that didn't really start listening to metal until like, I don't know, a few years ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I'm not steeped in it the way that um, like, especially like uh, Kyle and Travis and Garrett are as much. But, um, you know, I, I guess, um, you know, I grew up listening to like when I was a teenager definitely like all of the Seattle grunge a huge Soundgarden fan um 
Chris Cornell's voice is like, if, if I could pick a voice mm-hmm. to listen to for the rest of my life, yeah. that would be it. Incredible. Um, and, and Nirvana and, um, mud honey and all of that. But, um, then I, you know, in, in high school I was, you know, really influenced to begin writing by, um, like rage against the machine was always huge for me. Um, and then I guess I always listened to kind of a lot more melodic stuff. Like I was a huge Radiohead fan. I loved Bjork. I mean, so I kind of bring a lot of different influences to it, especially like, um, like post punk stuff. Like I would listen to a lot of, um, joy division and the cure, um, and like echo and the bunny men stuff like that is all like where my (laughs) influences come from. Um, the one that I always keep hidden that <laughs> I, I can see on your face, Chris. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, one of my favorite bands of all time is U2, and everyone wants to kick me in the dirt about it. And I, you know what? I'm, I'm fucking proud of it. Yeah, it's incredible it. songwriting. Wear it. I am going to. I'm still pissed off about them putting their music on my phone and didn't ask for Uh, it. Like, that was like, (laughs) what, 2005? Like, please get over it. I didn't make him any friends. Mm. Just fucking delete it and move on. Anyway, um, can I redeem myself by saying at least, like, old (laughs) you two? You know? But, yeah, uh, just a lot of that, like, kind of post-punk stuff um, and, like, Susie and the Banshees. Uh, I was going to ask you, so, like, do you like, like, goth? Like, yes. stuff, like I was listening to Sisters of Mercy earlier. Do you like? Yes, you been, absolutely. I and I wish Sisters Garrett was here because he would. We would goth out super hard. Mm-hmm. Um, the bass and goth. I mean, you're like your bass. I mean, dude. No, I, well, I listen to some of that stuff too. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, Switchblade Symphony is a big band that oh, I used to listen oh, yeah. to a lot. But mm-hmm. well, like Bauhaus, uh, Bauhaus, and uh, Susie and the Banshees. See, yeah, you're the definitely. only other person that I've talked to that knows who the fuck I'm talking about. And you brought it up. <laughs> She brought it up. You brought up Susie and the Banshees. I love Susie and the Banshees. And um, and then, you know, like, listening to that kind of progressed me into, like, when I got into, like, heavier music, it was really more along the lines of, like, punk rock. And so, um, like, Leftover Crack and Choking Victim were two of my high school bands that carried me well into my 20s and stuff. I saw them a bunch of times and absolutely loved it. Um but yeah, I mean, as far as like musical influences, I think like lyrically where I get a lot of inspiration is definitely from like Rage Against the Machine and um, and stuff like that. I mean, Zach is an incredible songwriter and you can yeah. tell he writes from, you can tell writers that write from emotion and they know how to channel it. Nobody channels rage and anger and just being pissed off. Like Zach De La Roca. I mean, he's incredible. Yeah, but with a poetry to it, you know, I oh, think absolutely. it needs to have like, that's that's where I'm at as far as writing goes as like, we might be talking about like difficult subjects and um, like that's that's where I've gotten a lot of influence from him is like um, the ability to, you know, talk about things that are controversial and that might piss people off or express your own rage and anger, but also in a way that's artistic, that's not just, you know, shouting about it it's like i'm turning this into art so that people can truly understand where i'm coming from absolutely no that's um, that's incredible i love that i love that because and i can definitely see 
I love your voice, by the way. Thank you. You have, especially for being from around here, you guys make me so proud. I just want to say, <laughs> I am one of the biggest metalheads, and I love all kinds of music. I can listen to all. Like, listen, I'll tell, let you in a little secret, everybody out there in the podcast world, Medicine Horse. I'm a huge New Wave fan. I fucking yep. love New Wave, <laughs> like Talking Heads, the Cars. I love, I love that all shit. that stuff. I love I fucking flock of seagulls. Got a, they got some jams. I love that shit. You know what <laughs> tears I like for to fears. Do? Tears. <laughs> I've seen tears Head for fears heels. multiple times, and they That's put incredible. on a hell of a live Head show. Head over heels. I'll tell you what. It's one of my favorite midday songs to listen to at work. That and everybody wants to rule the world because yeah. it's a great two o'clock in the afternoon song. I don't know how else to describe it, but this last summer I spent. We got a pool. <laughs> I'd be out there blasting new wave like like. <laughs> And I'm floating around in the pool, <laughs> passed out in the sun. But I'm a big fan of that. But like, I That's love, awesome. I love that you got all those different ones because I, to me, goth is just evil new wave. That's all it sounds like to me. No, yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, and, just dark, just dark, darker new wave. And you know, I think a band because I wanted to ask you if you're a fan of them is uh, like I think of a band that kind of bridges that goth. Uh, and into metal alternative rock is like typo negative. Do you like, are you a big typo negative fan? Because with them, I mean, then that kind of crosses over back into like, cause that metal heads, then you got people that look like they like you two and you know, Susie and the Banshee showing up and then you got, (laughs) and then you got like metal heads showing up. I love typo negative. Like I think with them, those, they're one of those bands that make earn it with liking them. There's like a lot of people listen to like, the fuck is this shit? Dracula with a baby? Yeah, that's what my wife, like, when I was playing for her, like, I, I thought, man, she might like this. So I started playing. She was like, what is this? Damn. Man, I love playing Black Number One because her, she'll she'll be like, turn this Nick off. White neck. <laughs> yes, that's the best part. <laughs> hey, will she trick oh the tree? God, I bet she will. Yeah. No, oh, that, but that so riff good. going right into that oh, next round. They're so fucking good. No, they're yeah, I'll listen to that all day. What's your favorite album of them? Oh my god. Uh October Rust. Garrett's- Probably October <laughs> Rust, but which one has Christian Woman on it? Is that that's um It's the That's right before It's the one with black it's it's the one with black number remember. one on it. It's the one with the two girls on it. And I think that's October. No, October Rust got thorns and stuff on. Yeah, it, it's it? like uh, bloody kisses. Yes, yeah. I think it. bloody kisses <laughs> probably. Yeah. Garrett's gonna be so mad that we're yeah. on here talking about Garrett typo. Is, he's got a typo tattoo. <laughs> he does. Um, he should have shown up. He told me, "Hey, I'm just gonna say, Garrett, <laughs> you're listening. You yeah. told me the other night you were gonna be here, and you didn't show yeah, up. Loser. You're he's on the list, here buddy. in spirit yeah, he as we talk about but, typo negative. Yeah, that is his favorite shit in the entire world. Yeah, oh, yeah, we all love it, but he he is takes all, it to a different he's level. Bad about it. I love Peter Steele because like carnivore. See, before I got into yeah, typo negative, cool too. But before I got into them, I wasn't gonna listen to nothing that sounded like typo negative back in the day carnivore that shit's awesome it, it kind of combines new york hardcore with thrash and death metal and peter's got such a fucking great voice yeah, and it's such cool. a thick heavy bass tone see you know i'm actually i love the album i think it's like partially a live album i think it's like feces of the feces something of the Damn, something like that uh it's got gravity pain i don't want got no reason to live <laughs> this song goes fucking hard. I love that shit. Existence. I always thought I was it, always would have loved to have seen them with like crowbar or something. I yeah, think that would be a hell of a show. You might check out Seventh Void too. That was based. Have you heard of them? I've heard the name. I've never. Okay, actually it's to ba- it's it was after Peter. 
It's basically typo without Peter. I've literally been what? Thank you, because I've literally been wondering all these years. I was like, what are those guys doing without Peter? So like the parts that Kenny sings, it's it all sounds like that. Oh wow! So it's oh, I love Kenny. It's still them, but that kind of high scream that he does all the time, like in typo. That's how he sings through the whole thing. It's a really good album. I think it's kind of hard to find now because it was on like Ben v- Big Vin Records yeah. or whatever, you know, and that's defunct and and I don't know where you can get it. Uh, you can probably find it on YouTube. Seventh Void. Yeah, there's a pretty I'm cool have album. To check though. that out, dude. You know what? And this is completely off subject, but like I just found out that Filter was the guy, other guy from ty- from uh, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, I didn't know that. I. The fuck kind of music is that? that. I didn't either. <laughs> the fuck kind of music <laughs> is he shit. making? Filter. I thought it was like some shithead teenagers from the yeah. Midwest. The, hey, it's the guy hey, from Hey Nine Man, Nine 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 well, that album, Short Bus, or like first one, that was a fucking amazing album. Yeah, I just like, I was just like, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a shocker because they're going on tour with uh, Ministry, Alice Cooper, and Rob Zombie. Yep. they are. They're playing yep. at the Walmart Amp in Rogers. Wow. Oh, Filter is Filter's open. okay. I thought you meant yeah. Nine it's Inch filter? Nails, didn't? No. Oh, okay. I'd be going. I mean, I'm gonna go to that show, but I'd I'd love to see them. I'd love to see Nine Inch Nails. But Travis, quit avoiding the question. <laughs> I want to hear. I want to hear what got you into music um, and uh, some of your earlier influences. Maybe uh, some stuff outside of metal, and then you know your metal. Uh, well, so, yeah, a lot of outside of metal stuff. Um, I mean, there was kind of always like music around the house, rock and roll and stuff. But to like play, my brother got a guitar first. Uh, we had we were uh, a friend of the family, and one of his good friends. He played guitar, and his dad, like, collected guitars and stuff, and uh, so got my brother Corbin into it. He brings one home. Of course, the little brother's like, huh? You know, <laughs> yeah. What's that? And uh, and that, you know, it's like right in the in the 90s, so, like, Nirvana, you know, Nevermind's blowing up, and, and uh, the Black Album and all that stuff is out, and, you know, ACDC is still always cool. And so they were learning that stuff, and I'd just kind of watch, and he'd let me fiddle with it occasionally, and and I'd wait till he was gone, and I'd go in there and mess with it and couldn't play anything. And, you know, I think they showed me, like, Inner Sandman wrong, but it didn't matter. You know, it yeah. sounded close enough for me. And uh, and then there was, like, he did, did it for a couple of years, and then I think he, like, he got older or something, and didn't mess with it for a minute. And so I had like two years where, or probably about early on, I don't know, 12 or 14, that I was able to just sit in there and basically have his guitar all to myself and kind of really go to town on it. And uh, till finally that same family friend, like my brother comes back wanting his guitar back. Yeah, of course. And so I'm like, crap. And I'm like wanting to try to get one. And that same family friend uh, knew I was wanting one. And uh, he he just showed up one day, uh, knocking on the door, and uh, gave me this. It, it was like some you know Japanese knockoff thing. Didn't mean anything to him. Uh, fake gold top deal. And uh, I was just like, oh my god, you know, freaking out. And I was playing it, and it had you know, it wasn't great. It was like maybe like a Hondo or a Harmony or something, and uh, had some frets buzzing out. And I had asked him, like, hey, man, you know, uh, 
no matter where I put my finger on this thing, it won't sound. And he was like, oh, uh, yeah, I just was wondering what I could do about it. I wasn't complaining. And uh, he showed up. He was like, uh, you know, uh, I'll swing by and we'll try to work on it. A couple weeks later or something, he shows up on the door. He's got this just gorgeous-looking Les Paul. Not a real one. Uh, knockoff. Um, but beautiful, you know, Les Paul body shape. And uh, I thought he was just bringing some new kick-ass guitar he just bought because he collected them and stuff and was just showing us. And he was like, what do you think of this? I was like, oh, man, this is amazing, sitting there playing it and just going to town. I was like, this is beautiful. And I was giving it back to him, and he's like, no, it's yours. Keep it. And I was oh. like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And it's the, it's the orange one that I always play. That's my basic. He traded me for that what? gold. The one that you always play. At shows. Yeah, it is that's my first guitar. But he traded me for the that's gold top so that cool. was that's Yeah, and cooler. and it's yeah. still my favorite guitar and it's just like it's amazing. It weighs like fifteen pounds, it's a brick and it you know, it's just awesome and the fact that he gave it to me and I've just been jamming on it ever since. So that's fucking I awesome. Got my money's worth out of it. Um but you know, and music wise, like I said, it was like every thing everybody was listening to at that time 90s and and just kind of rock and roll stuff and and uh, a lot of rock and roll early on you know uh did my you know fair share of uh west coast gangster rap during of the course. around you know 93 or whatever and, as you do yeah and uh and uh but you know really the first like metal i was probably ever hearing was like black album because that's when that was around when i was coming out and uh, Danzig happened to be mother, you know. Oh, that yeah. Was, and uh, so that was real big. And then like Jackal. Um, oh wow! And, yeah. And I moved, and some kids down the street had MTV. I didn't have it, and they were the one. They were, you know, hey, here's check out Doggy Style. Check out this Jackal album. Check out. Danzig and I was just, I'd sit over there, go run down the street every day and sit over there because <laughs> awesome. he's an older kid and, and he'd just play the, that stuff for me. I'm like, everything he played was amazing. And then you get to watch MTV, you know, and seeing all that crap. Um, and then, uh, then fateful day, my brother shows up with far beyond driven. That's my favorite Pantera. <laughs> and, so it was probably I don't know middle school, and uh, his friend had showed it to him, and he came home and he was like, "Come here," and he puts it on the CD player. He's like, "Listen to this shit," <laughs> <laughs> and I I honestly remember like the first listen, I was just like, "What just happened?" Like I'd never heard anything that aggressive before, and it was just like. Peeled, you know, peeled you back, and you're like, play it again. Yeah. <laughs> and then from then on, it's like that's that's the album, um, oh, you know. Wow. And, and then you start to, you know, once you've just like, I didn't know stuff like that existed, and uh, it just hit right. And then you start digging around for other stuff. Oh, guess what? There's Slayer, you know, and there's Black Sabbath, and there's all this other stuff. And so you just kind of start peeling the onion back, just getting real real deep into it and uh you know learn guitar at the same time and that just everything went like shot through the roof because not dogging on nirvana or anything but 
Nirvana to Pantera guitar playing oh my, is oh just yeah. two totally different worlds. And so you're like, yeah, because I do. Rem- <laughs> Chris's face is so red right now. <laughs> I remember like white zombie videos uh, on MTV and seeing him like solo. And uh, I think I remember seeing like a Megadeth video. And I thought, that's not real. Like when I was a little, little kid, because I didn't know how you could possibly, you know, anyway, you start to find that out. And I, man, I think for like a whole school year, every day I would come home at like three o'clock and from, and my mother is such a saint for letting me do this, but from like 3 p.m. to like 10 p.m., we we had this like makeshift like stack in our room and my brother shared a room and there was an equilibrium where you would just crank that shit super loud and your radio's like three quarters of the way up. And so you feel all the big bottom and the bass. And I would play... Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, baby. I would play uh, the No More Tears album. Uh, uh, Seasons in the Abyss. And uh, Vulgar Display of Power on repeat i didn't know every song but i knew most most of the songs on every one of those albums and that was like my guitar regiment as i would just come home and do that well that's a hell of a guitar regiment and i mean just like and you're like it felt like you were playing a show oh she never said a word man she did not care and that's how i fucking play here i'll fucking i'll crank i'll turn that on i'll put bolt thrower on and i'll plug in and I'll fucking start playing yeah and, it's, and I'm at full volume with a fucking distortion pedal on yeah. and she's just sitting there trying to watch TikTok <laughs> I don't know if she knows what's going on most of the time yeah. over there I mean, we'd close the door but it was a small house man and it was just like that was the deal for a long time and then finally it was like okay it's time to go play some other stuff but those like we had one of those multi-disc deals and so it would just move it for you oh, you wouldn't have to touch a button and I was just like, I'm going to learn all these so I can go from one to the next to the next to the next and just do it. And if I didn't know it, I would just play with it, like try to give it the oh well, yeah, the fair shake. Like I'm going to sound, you know, try to of course. cop that sound of what it sounds like until I do learn it. And so I did that for a long time. And then, um, but, you know, I was always listening early on, um, all the Southern rock stuff, Skinner, ZZ Top. I mean, absolutely still huge fans of them. Of course. Um, ZZ Top just influences like everything that I do all the time. Um, there, I mean, Billy Gibbons is amazing. The whole band is absolutely amazing. Dusty the Hill chemistry. is an amazing singer. The chemistry. Um, and, and Skinner, you know, a lot of people write it off as kind of hokey, you know, redneck shit. And, They're um, fucking wrong. Well, and You're wrong. I'll say that <laughs> no, right that now. Was, that was on repeat it, in my house growing up too. It, I mean, that's just in there. Well. It's just when you dig kind of deeper in what's going on and listen to the whole, because the same was easy. You know, a lot of people oh can write God, it off yeah. that it's just legs and it's the hokey, the fun videos. Good, yeah, but there's so much like the early stuff, and there's so many layers to every, all the rest of it. That, you know, if you don't get past what was commercial, same thing with Skinner. Don't get past, like, Sweet Home Alabama and and what... There's a lot of stuff connected to it. Oh, yeah. And, and especially nowadays with some of the symbolism they were using back then, it didn't age so well, you know? And uh, 
At least they were from Florida. Well, it's yeah. like they were from Oregon. Yeah, or, you know, they were just but, you know. But musically, that it's very dense, and there's so much going on from a rock and roll and blending like country and blues and rock in and gospel just, and making it boogie, man. Like oh, that, yeah, they, everything's got that rhythm. Um, they so, had a big like Motown influence on their shit too. Like you could hear the boogie in their in their shit is. But you know what's interesting about them, and it's what pisses me off because I defend them to the grave. I think they're one of the best bands that's ever fucking walked the earth. With Ronnie, <laughs> when Ronnie was their singer. Yeah, I'm talking. You name a band Skinner. that's got three guys besides Iron Maiden now, which I like Leonard Skinner better. I like Iron Maiden. I love them, but Leonard Skinner. Too. They were the fucking. They were motherfuckers. That's what I'll say about them. But yeah, name a fucking guitar attack, like Alan Collins, Gary Rosington, and then you know either Steve Gaines or Ed King. There's yeah. nothing like it. Like you listen yeah. to them. Once you get to the part when you listen to them, because like I went as like a science experiment, me listening to them and be like, okay, I know who Gary is now. Now I know who Ed is, and I can tell who it is. Once you can pick out who's playing who, they're never playing the same shit. Yeah, yeah. It's like having Hendrix, three different Hendrixes in the band, because they're never playing a lot. Like it's like one of the like Gary. He's I love Gary Rosington. He's dirty. Yeah. If that time I knew who he was. I was like, if it's dirty, it's him. Alan Collins does it. He does that all the time. He loves yeah. doing that shit. And then Ed King, he did Sweet Home Alabama. That's about as much as I know about him. He got fired in Europe. He, Steve Gaines was from Miami. He actually he, quit. Ed King quit. I, well, because Ronnie were, was being a bastard. Well, they were all a bunch of unruly goobers. Oh, yeah. And I think they were all just like fist fighting in each other. He's like, "You guys are a bunch of dipshits. I'm getting the fuck out of here." Yeah, like but, they were over in Europe whenever they whenever he, he left too. He wrote a lot of shit. Uh, oh Ed, yeah, Ed King wrote a lot of very critical parts and wrote a lot of stuff, and like some of their most musical stuff is coming from him. I love all of them, but Ed King, uh, he gets a little bit underrated. Um, the others kind of get more of the fanfare, of course. Well, he was um, more of like the he was like the true he was like a true rhythm guitar well, player. Well, and he was more that. reserved, yeah. and he was the only one. He wasn't the floor. He was from California. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so he was kind of, I think he always felt like the odd man out, but he contributed a lot to oh, what absolutely. they had going on. You know what sure. album I love him on? Because it's the only album that's got Ed, Gary, and Alan with Artemis Pyle on drums is nothing fancy. Mm-hmm. Which Artemis Pyle, I love Artemis Pyle. He had so much fucking power yeah. in his drums. You can, like, he told a really good story about how when they did that album, they do Saturday Night Special, which is the opener on that album. He said he just like his dad had just died. He just had to go mm. sign his estate or like, sign stuff for his estate, and they showed up. And he said, "I put every ounce of anger I had into that." I mean, if you listen to the drums on Saturday Night Special, he's hitting the fuck out of the hi hat, like all that, all that shit. And um, with Ed King, like I think that that is one of the most underrated albums. Nothing fancy, because yeah. the structure. Because you can totally tell whenever because it's different, but like. With whenever Steve Gaines was in the band, they only did Street Survivors with him. I just think the musically, it he took them to another level yeah. because. But I will say the album that I think made Alan and Gary better guitar players was uh, "Give Me Back My Bullets" because Ed left. Yeah, they were about to start They're doing an album. Own. Yeah, it's like it's just two of there's them two now. of us. We got to step our fucking game up. Yeah, and dude. I got the same old blues again. Double Trouble, Cry for the man. Bad Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The song, Give Me Back My Bullets. That album is so strong 
Artemis Pyle again, the fucking drums. I love I, I love his style. He yeah. reminds me a lot of Bill Ward, the way that he plays up top. Yeah. I'm a big Bill Ward fan from Seven. Oh, yeah, he's he's amazing. His ports are, like, so hooky. Oh, yeah. And, like, not very many people play that hooky because no. just as much of the riffs, you're listening to the drum riffs and, like, you're not, not air drumming to that shit. Oh, no. So, so yeah. So, you know, Sabbath, all that Southern shit. Um vocalist you know my mom was always a pretty good singer and uh so just vocalist tie in like like i've been listening to susan tedeschi since probably middle school or early high school i got into her first before i actually knew anything about Derek trucks wow. um and um so just stuff like that soul blues um country stuff too you know it's mainly like outlaw country older country stuff i don't do creep much past the night you know there's some of the 90s stuff that that is cool because that was what was happening it's like hearing somebody talking to me yeah. like myself yeah. talking to myself <laughs> yeah. i agree yeah outlaw country to me <laughs> it's, it's dirty I, I don't know what it is music's got to be a little dirty because dirty to me yeah, is i real. need the grease i need some I've grease i need to, to hear about that. what you did at that bar that one time Waylon. i need to hear about it because i think that kind favorite. of it's because it, 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 it sounds more real I mean, anybody can sing about a girl that broke your heart one time. I want to hear about like you got shot at leaving us, you know, the pop and stop. Yeah. In Houston one time, because like you know. Have you ever seen uh, any of those tales from the tour bus? It's uh, Mike Judge. Oh yeah. Well, I I know what you're talking you about. You need to check it out because there's a bunch on that. I like some outlaw country guys. Like the Johnny Paycheck shit is outrageous. See. I've never actually watched it, but I've heard I've heard a lot of people talk about the Johnny Paycheck. Oh, that he's a fucking cartoon. Because Mike Judge is like, dude, well, he's got a song called Drinking and Driving. You know that song? I'm going to drink and drive that woman right out of oh, my yeah, mind. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. the funnest song about yeah. drinking and driving. And it's like, well, how do I not drink and drive? I'm just kidding. You shouldn't do that. But yeah. like, no, Johnny Paycheck's the shit. Yeah. I love that outlaw country because I love the ba- the music in that is also I think much better. Well, more yeah, up, the, the tempo, just the vibe of it, and and you know during that time, like you know a lot of people like Waylon because of the halftime stuff, and I think he helped influence a lot of people to u- use some of that halftime stuff. So you know I love the hot country, but I love the laid back stuff too. Yeah. And I I end up finding that like no matter kind of what genre I go in, if it's got some groove to it, I'm going to lock in. Absolutely. Um but you know, I love some fast, you know, balls out stuff, uh but I don't listen to that all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? You you kind of pick and choose. So um and honestly, I I hate to say it, but I've I feel like I've just found more stuff, but I feel like I've basically been listening to the same shit since I was like, you know, kind of 14 and stuff blew up. The internet started blowing up, you know, Napster and LimeWire and shit. You could just get stuff everywhere. And, uh, you know, I used to read the metal magazines and you'd find one person and then you'd look through and they'd either talk about somebody. And, you know, that's like how I found Crowbar. Crowbar was, uh, I was reading about them, you know, Pantera would mention them, you'd see stuff with them, and then I remember seeing an ad for Broken Glass, and I was just like, 
That's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, see, saw that video, too. And uh, you I know, missed out on so much because my mom would not allow me to watch Beavis and Butthead. Well, I didn't have cable. So I probably I would have listened to Pantera if yeah. I was allowed to watch yeah. Beavis and I saw, Butthead. The first time I saw the I'm Broken I video the whole was thing. on Beavis and Butthead. Because yeah. I remember but, uh, Butthead was like, whoa, this they guy looks like for... his dad kicked his ass when he was a yeah. kid. They, they were good for putting music on, man. Uh, they would get you. discovered a lot. Absolutely, that, that Mike Judge has great yeah, music taste because yeah. I know he. As I, I, when you mentioned that, I was like, "Yeah, hey, he's a big Outlaw Country fan." And then, yeah. but he's also like Beavis and Butter. They'd have the best fucking music videos on there. Oh, like, they're those the country ones are hilarious. He does it over other genres, but like, I would love to watch it with somebody that's not familiar with any of that shit <laughs> and yeah. think like they'd just be like. These guys were doing that. They were nuts. They were absolutely fucking crazy. Well, everybody thinks Willie Nelson was just smoking weed and having a good time. He was shooting at people and getting oh, shot at. Fuck. He he He's was got a probably few more mild one. Uh, George Jones is fucking crazy. Well, there's a story that uh, it's he wrote a song about it. He was with this married woman that wasn't his wife in a trailer in the middle of the woods, and her husband shows up and starts shooting at him inside, <laughs> and he runs out, and his wife, bless you, and he runs out in his wife, in his whitey tighties and his cowboy boots and shooting back oh, the song yeah. Shotgun Willie off the album. Shotgun oh, Willie oh runs God. around in his underwear. That's about whenever fucking... Biting on a bullet. Yes. That's my favorite Willie Nelson album. I love that. That is an amazing album. But That he, whole that album whiskey is... River. I just want to sit back and listen to the Travis show right now. <laughs> Travis, listen. Do another one. He's literally... He's over here... Oh, I don't like to talk much. Listen, this guy's a star. He's yeah. a star. He should have his own podcast. Look uh, at him. Yeah. I would listen to him. I would, yeah. too. But, um... I want to uh, ask you. I want to go back around and ask you guys because uh, I'm, I'm always I'm always interested in this because uh, as a I play guitar and I'm also I like percussion stuff. I grew up as a drummer. My dad was a drummer in a band, and uh, but uh, like guitar players, I'm a huge. I mean, I love Hendrix. I love Tony Iommi. Uh, like so, I would. I, I know you play bass. I would love to know some of your favorite bass players and maybe even some that like kind of influenced your playing style. Man. Um... That's like bass players that I really listen to. Uh, I listen to Bootsy Collins a lot. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> a good uh, one to listen to. Absolutely. Uh, Bootsy, I love Flea a lot. Uh, Prime, I, I listen to a lot of Primus. But love Les Claypool. Les is, uh, it's like, it's it's crazy. It's The stuff he comes up with is crazy. And I can't use any of that stuff that he does. I'm nowhere near talented enough. But, uh, other stuff like lists like pocket grooves with Bootsy and uh, some of the stuff Flea does. Another person that uh, I got really into to Marilyn Manson at one point. I'm like right at that age point. Uh, but if you listen a lot to like uh, the originality of like Twiggy Ramirez was w what he was doing with those guys. Um, he does a lot of slides, and that's something that I incorporate a lot into mine. Slides and octave playing and stuff like that. Uh, but. Uh, Bootsy is, is really fun to listen to. Hell yeah. So you like you like funk and everything like that? Yeah, yeah I love absolutely. funk music. Yeah. I've always every time I listen to a funk band, I'm like, I'd love to be the bass player or the drummer in this band. Yeah. It's the funnest job ever. It's eight minutes. 
You're not changing up very much, but the groove is just killer. It's all about the groove, man. The Gap Band. I don't know what the bass player for the Gap Band is. He never gets any fucking credit. <laughs> that dude's a badass. I love yeah, it. Yeah, and then Rick James. Man. I'm a yeah. huge Rick James yeah. fan. Yeah. He gets a lot of credit for being a crazy fucking bastard, but I'll tell you what, that guy can play the fuck out of a bass, and no one ever, like, I never yeah. hear anybody talk about that at all. It's always, you know... I'm Rick James bitch stuff, but no, that dude can play. He's yeah. got a they've had, he's actually got a really good live album where he has the Temptations with him. That's really good. That if wow. you're out there listening, you should check it out. Yeah, because he had them with that standing on the top. <laughs> like no, that's an album kicks ass. He brought the Temptations back. Whenever uh, they yeah. did all that too, had mm. him playing backup for him. That's awesome. Let's see. I always assume bass players like funk music because how could you not? No, you got. It's to, one of the absolutely. only music. It's like some of the only music where the bass players like. The star. So uh, that, man, and I listen to a lot of brass, like New Orleans brass being from there. Oh, and so okay. if you listen to a lot of brass, too, there's so much awesome uh, bass and tuba, man. I mean, they're, it's it's so similar in what they're doing. And uh, Rebirth, the Nightcrawlers, uh, Bonorama, these are all bass, brass bands that I'll, I fucking love. Hell yeah. And uh, just listening to those guys grooving out. It, it's a similar thing to funk, listening to all that, so. In in the realm of like, uh, who are some bass players that play more like hard rock to metal that you that you like? Uh, Cliff Burton, man, is, oh, yeah. is one that his stuff. Oh, I remember when I first picked up the bass, trying to like find a fucking wah wah pedal and doing all the crazy shit that he did and pulling uh, teeth. Yeah. Jesus Christ, uh, he's one of the ones metal bassists that that I could say that definitely I looked up to when I was grabbing it and as a young player he's so. so different i mean he didn't just stand in the back and you know play the bass line the guy one of the best headbangers ever yes he, he just he's one of those musicians that really just like let it all out there and he you know never left anything on the table yeah. he was a fucking he was awesome absolutely nothing like i mean and he didn't use a pick either so i mean the guy was playing some of the craziest shit with his fingers yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm i i, I use a pick and I use my fingers too, but some of the shit so fast for us. Where you badlands, there's a couple parts in there. I'm not even gonna try to use my fingers for that. So dude, let me play with a pick everybody <laughs> wants to shit. Nico, who are who are some of your favorite singers and who are some that have influenced you in your style? Because I would love to know that. because every time I hear you, I'm like, I gotta know like who she heard that was like, I think I can do something like that, or maybe or unless you developed it yourself, but like who is like some It's people- all actually one hundred percent original and I invented it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was just praying you wouldn't ask me about bass or something. I don't know. <laughs> Who's your favorite bass player? <laughs> We're gonna favorite ask everybody. Bass like, favorite bass player. God damn it. Um uh, gosh. Well, so I already said uh Chris Cornell. Um and I actually um I listened, I I started out when I started singing, I've been singing, you know, since I was a child, um, but, you know, never really was able to transition that into actually being in bands until uh, much later in my life, um, like Medicine Horse, and I've been in one other band, really. Um, but I started out doing, um, like, show choir kind of singing, so it was musicals, um, and then I got really into jazz. And so I, I that's, I guess, my basis for where I learned to my clean singing style was really just jazz. Um, and then a lot of that, um, I really loved, still love Fiona Apple. 
And so I listen to a lot of Fiona she's Apple. Awesome, yeah, she I is, mean, my mom loves her too. Yeah. yeah, and she's got some really cool, like, experimental vocals on a lot of her later albums that are just like she gets really weird, and I love it. Um, she does some really cool things with her voice. So uh, just singing along to stuff like that um, was kind of where I I figured out how to sing. And then when I got into you know heavier music, I was I was really into the Distillers. And Brody Dahl, um, I, I, as far as like finding a growl, I absolutely love her voice. Um, and I, <laughs> I've told Kyle the story. I used to actually like, I, I told myself that it wasn't the nicotine or to be cool. I told myself I was smoking cigarettes because I wanted to like, like just ruin my voice so uh, that I would sound like Brody. <laughs> no, the, Bri- the Brian Johnson technique. Yeah. <laughs> Cigarettes it and whiskey. It didn't work. Um, but, uh, but I still like really just love her voice and, um, and the scream that she's got. But, um, I guess, uh, you know, once I started doing like metal vocals, the screaming technique really came from Kyle, my husband slash our, guitar player as like a vocal coach for how to scream um i would love to see that yeah that's what so i was thinking that like they're going back no <laughs> <laughs> you don't gotta yeah. come from here you gotta come <laughs> kyle's been singing for like 30 years like, I, I mean there's his... no better coach and yeah. i so i would love to like list a bunch of you know um influences of of screams that i like but i never really like listened um to other people's screams and was like, oh, I want to emulate that. You know, it kind of just had to happen. However, however it came out of me, um, to do the heavy vocal like that. So I definitely had a great coach in him. And then, um, I mean, yeah, just listening to a lot of down and Dax Riggs is another vocal inspiration for me. Especially like lyric writing too. I mean, that's like some dark, spooky shit that I uh, love. So, hell yeah, I yeah. I see that your style is like. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love all kinds of metal. I mean, honestly, other than pirate metal, I don't think there's a metal I'm not a big fan of. <laughs> so, you know, I don't like really swashbuckling music. You know, it's fine, whatever. Mm. But like, um, your style, like when you said Phil Ensemble and Dex, they've got it's. It's not like death metal where it's like the cookie monster, yeah. like which I love that shit too, the guttural. It's like it's screaming, but the growling combined with it, it just sounds to me, it cuts so much deeper. Like when Phil on There's Ensemble, a bluesiness and just a soul to that style yes. that really appeals to me. Absolutely. Because I usually I think whenever you hear bands with singers like that the music is much more emotion. It's not like, oh, we're just trying to be heavy, like Nile. Those guys are trying to fucking crush your brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that stuff with what you, it, that it's almost like bluesy. It's it's you're making I'm this is how I feel on the inside. And <laughs> yeah. when Phil Ensalmo does one of his screams like, like that, it's one of the best in the business to me. And you capture a lot of that because I love the way you said it cuts like a knife. It's fucking brutal it's like a slasher flick non-stop i love it it's <laughs> yeah. awesome i think Thank it's you. i love your i, I want I, I definitely wanted to ask you about that because i love your style of singing when i listen to metal i love singers like you especially when you know playing a little bit faster like the reason why like, i'm a big death metal fan i love obituary because john tardy doesn't sound like other death metal singers he's got such a great sound 
it's a higher pitch. It's not like more low and everything. And like those are the I don't care. Yeah. 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 No, I love them. The Celtic Frost on steroids. But like uh, that, I love singers like that. And I, I I just wanted to tell you I loved your voice, and I wanted to know thank you where that came from and everything, Travis. Uh, Who are some of your favorite guitar players? Man, um, my, my first like guitar hero was Zach Wild, like yes. listening to Ozzy albums and stuff. He's and one just, of the three deities in this. House. Yeah, and uh, and then Dimebag like shortly followed, and it was them guy, you know, those two guys for a while. And I and I like even at that time I was listening to ZZ Top, but I hadn't like dove deep in it, and that. Uh, you know, honestly, probably anymore. I mean, Zach and Dime stuff. There's a stamp on what stuff that I do because of them, and like just eating that stuff with a spoon for so long. Oh, yeah. Like when I was like first learning how to play, you know, and, and still love that stuff. But like uh, Billy Gibbons and uh, Warren Haynes. Um, you know, I'm not a hair on any of those guys' ass, but like I try to steal from them as much as I can. And um and just the way they do their thing, it appeals to me. You were talking about, you know, everything's gotta have a a certain amount of grease on it. Of course. And they they just they play the way that I hear I want to play. Like when I hear it, I'm like, you know, fuck I wanna do that. I, you know, that's exactly how I want it to sound. And so even with, like, you know, it's helped just from a technique standpoint to get things to sound the way they're supposed to or the way I think they should, you know, the way you hurt, hit something a certain way or muted a certain way or muted at a certain time or whatever. And so um, even in, like, heavy playing, I still try to take – little bits from all of them. And then um, also in heavy playing uh, Crowbar, Kirk Winstein, that is just, uh, he is such, oh man, Riff Master, but his style is so unique. Like when you hear him playing, you know it's him, even when he's in other bands and doing other stuff. Well, that's why Down is so incredible because Pepper's the same way. Yeah. So those two fucking guys, it's yeah. literally one of the best guitar duos I've ever heard, and it's a super group, really. Yeah. Those two guys have two of the best guitar tones. and the, To me, and, and personally, the two of my favorite. I love Pepper. And, like, uh, other than, like, his unique sound, too, like, his ability to be heavy as fuck and melodic like extremely melodic at the same time, it's I'm just like that's how a lot of his solo I, stuff is. Uh, I'm like, Super I melodic. don't know how you crush this hard and still carry this amount of melody in the way he does. Like even as a vocalist, he's amazing. He's just those guys don't get enough credit. Like in small circles, they get good credit, but they don't get enough credit for what they've done and continue to do. And and he's so. You know, Zach Dime, Kirk Winstein in the in the heavy department, and then just you know you, you pick things from people from all over. Like there's lots of people that do a lot of things really cool and really good, and so you just the more you take in, you know, you you pick bits and pieces uh, from there. But like those, what five or six guys are like pretty core to, you know, if I'm playing something, you're like, where'd you get that from? I 
oh, that's a Warren Haynes lick, that's a Billy Gibbons lick, that's a this lick, that's a me trying to sound like Billy Gibbons, you know, like this, that, and the other. It, like I can pretty much point something back to, you know, oh, that's coming from him, that's coming from him. That's Well, you know, what I, the thing that I love about Billy Gibbons is – to me, and it's the same thing I love about Keith Richards. Some people just don't fucking get it, man. They don't get it. <laughs> Rock and roll guitar playing, to me. If you want to know what it is, you go listen to Keith Richards and Billy Gibbons. Because to them, it's not about how much they're playing or how fast. It's all the little pauses. It's all the little stops in between the riffs. Billy's riffs, the way that he's able to com- capture complete silence in a millisecond between each strum that he does. It's also the way he tunes his guitar and everything. But like his, and then Keith Richards is the same way. Where he catches, where he strums along the song. It's it's that's what rock and roll guitar playing to me is. Yeah, those two guys, very cool, very Chuck cool Berry, cats. Of course, but like, and I love their style. It's just the way that they are able. It's not about like with that. It's not perfection. It's not. It's not. Look how technical I am. It's literally like. It's it's having a, the best perfect year for music, especially doing that kind of stuff. But like, it's just being able to capture that. Oh, that would sound great there. And Billy Gibbons and Keith are two of the best ever at doing and that. Gibbons has got like different eras of style and tone. Like he's got all these different because he's been around so long. But the guy is just always cool, and it's always good. So from very very early ZZ Top and like. I go so deep as like I listen to old boot live bootleg stuff like almost every night. I lay there in bed and listen to an, another shitty recording of you know ZZ Top nineteen seventy one. But it like I get used to it. it. It sounds really crappy at first, but you put headphones in, lay in bed. And you just kind of like it's like being there. That's a great visual. Oh yeah, <laughs> but I mean it. it it's, I do that with Pink Floyd all the time. You know, you just there, like, turn the lights off. She'll come. It's in like, the dark, and and it's like the the <laughs> shitty audio kind of drifts away. It's like seeing a, a movie with subtitles. You know, uh, it's like Pan's Labyrinth. Like I was like, this is in Spanish. I've been reading it the whole time. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty introspective, Travis. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like damn. But uh, anyway, you know, and and so like they were cooking back then, like they were real fired up. What's your favorite ZZ Top album? Oh, I mean Tra- Trace Hombres is because Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers. That was the Honestly, song I heard. That song. And Dusty Hill and him switching back on vocals. I was like, these motherfuckers aren't here to play. They don't hear to play. Tough. That's tough, bro. Because um, that's a great album, and Deguayo's a great album. But I might I have to one. say. Uh, I might have to say Fandango just because where everything falls and and the and the uh, songs that are on that album and the tone that's on that album. Turn it on the eggs. Um, it's got Blue Jean Blues on it. It's got uh, Tush. Fuck, it's got Tush on it. Yeah, heard it on the eggs. Heard it on the. Yeah. Um, and it's just that's a great album, but there's like. There's a 90s era top, like after, you know, uh, Eliminator and, after and Afterburner Burner, and all that stuff, like about Recycler and then Antenna and then there's Rhythmine and Triple X. I love that album. Triple X is fucking amazing That's and so I, nobody, like, nobody listens, really gives it any time. That, that and Rhythmine is so heavy, so crunchy, so greasy, like, 
but that's a whole different era, and they're playing different at that time. This has turned into the ZZ Top yeah. podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, are you talking about bad fry bread? Heavy, crunchy, greasy? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Well, <laughs> hey, that those things are good, right? Yeah. It's honestly, it sounds like a good so, review yeah. for either anyway, or fry bread um, or ZZ Top. But, you know, now I can't talk about any, of, any of those people now anymore for the rest of the night. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of stuff, people like, yeah, you not mentioned Black Sabbath. Well, of course, fucking Black Sabbath is there and and all that shit. But I'm just glad you don't like them because if anybody doesn't, doesn't like them, we're going to have problems. Oh, no, yeah, so. fuck. I'm no. just kidding. <laughs> Ozzy is God to me. I mean, you know, not literally. I don't like worship him, but I mean, I would. You are wearing an Aussie shirt right now. <laughs> yes, she got it for yeah. me for my birthday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the Speak of the Devil record. It gets a lot of hate because Randy wasn't on it, and it was Ozzy doing Black Sabbath. I thought it was cool. Yeah. But, you know, uh, so I, we'll get, uh, we're getting close to wrapping it up here. I know I don't want to keep you all out all night. I know you guys uh, have been busy the last couple of weeks. I just wanted to ask you all about this new album and uh, this is just kind of for anybody to comment on because uh i've been listening to it and i think it's i think it's i love it um i would just love to hear from you all about kind of what it what went into it how long of a process it was to make it come together and uh and like you know what y'all think about it. i'd like to, i i nobody ever asked the band what they think of the album until it's like 30 years later it's like i hate it Painkiller. Yeah. That album sucked. I hate. We wish we never what? made it. I know. I'm just saying. It's never. It wouldn't be not painkiller. Turbo. Sorry. I hated Turbo, which mm. I actually like that album. But you know. Uh, but like, uh, just for the group, like, what? So, tell me about Dead Medicine and what went into making it, and like how y'all think it came out, and how like you know what you think about it. Uh, Who it, wants to start on that? Um, <laughs> cool album, like. It just kind of came out like as we were getting together and like starting a band. Like they started with Turning Tide. Um, well, wait, I should have asked that. I can't believe I haven't asked that. How long have y'all been together for? Like officially? I, actually, I I realized the other day like it's 2024. <laughs> like we started <laughs> in 2020. Really? Oh, okay. yeah. Well, it was. I it mean, was yeah, yeah. Her and Kyle and and Garrett started and did turning tide and did like recorded the song and did a video for it and i remember seeing that first like i think kyle sent it to me and i was like fuck this is awesome oh yeah and uh and then i ended up getting hooked up with kyle and uh i kind of joined into the fray and started just writing stuff um so they started 2020 but was it like a? It wasn't like a year later. It wasn't was it that six long. Six months or something yeah, later. Yeah, I think it was like six months later. So you, shit. You came into the mix. If you'd have made me guess, I'd have said two years, but I guess it's been longer than that. It feels yeah. It doesn't. It feels like it's happened all really, really fast. Um, the last four years been have a been a blur. Yeah, definitely been a blur. But uh, yeah, I mean, we just been jamming. We used to jam in like a quarter section of of their garage, really tiny. The actually, this you can see it. Nobody probably knows what it is, but on the album, like in the albums, like all the pictures, the very center picture, there's a little kind of, it. it's hard to tell. That was the sliver that we would basically wrote that entire album in was like, was like, set. what'd you say? It didn't seven feet by 15 feet? Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. we, we bought some, uh like cubicle walls off of Facebook marketplace yeah. and put those up uh, ha like, yeah, a third of the way through the garage yeah. 
and then put up a bunch of curtains and stuff and like plastered the wall like painted the walls black yeah. led lights plastered all the all of kyle's uh like show posters yeah. and stuff on it and it looked pretty cool it yeah. was just it was real cozy it was small but it, man it was fun <laughs> it and we just jammed the fuck out and it was more fun in the winter than it, it was, was in the summer yeah. <laughs> loud as shit yeah and very yeah, loud so very loud because i would have to stand in the stacks. kitchen yeah <laughs> oh my god we got fucking <laughs> half stacks in this yeah. little set oh, the by. curtains didn't help much no. hey, oh every practice multiple like kyle had this little tchotchke shelf and about every song and a half, something was falling off there. He'd be like, "Oh man!" And it, like you know, something would break, and we're like, Fuck, "Keep that bro. in. It's raw." Yeah, ta- yeah. Take everything off the wall because it was vibrating off. But um, and and you know, we just kind of wrote that stuff as we went. And we're like, "Well, fuck, let's do an album out of it." And and we just like, kind of started snowballing, and and all that went pretty quick. But then like everything associated with actually getting a a legitimate record out it was like shit there's a lot of logistics work and getting stuff put together and back and forth on the art and getting all that stuff so like the recording of it was fast um but the rest of it took a minute uh you know to get kind of situated i think we'd be a lot better at it this go around definitely but, yeah we figured but, some things out yeah, i love sure. the artwork on the album but, by the way i love yeah. whenever a band puts like effort into the artwork that's a it's yeah. a lost art in Pitch music J- jacob rochelle he's uh he just i just got a tattoo from him yesterday he's a friend of the band and he's uh, incredible yeah he's a he great was dude. one of my first friends that I, I met in tulsa he's from louisiana as well so it's a louisiana connection and he Where's plays he in at? uh jr uh, it's cherry street tattoo oh on okay 15th. yeah she works over on cherry street she works yeah. at hello salon shout out to them as well we're doing yeah. all kinds of plugs <laughs> he so. plays he plays in a uh, wretched hallucination now too oh. so. i don't know if you you need to listen to those They're guys. cool. I definitely love to check them out. Yeah, ratchet hallucination. Ratchet hallucination. Yeah. God, yeah. I can only imagine what they sound like. Nuclear but, <laughs> bomb going off in my head. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, it. Uh, I don't know. It. It just. It's been fun. We. We. Uh, we're pretty like. I don't know. I kind of consider us a jammy band because we just get together and we'll flop. You know, fling riffs out or whatever, and just start going on something and see what happens with it and. And that's where most of that stuff went. It's just like, you know, what what do you, what are we feeling? We jam on it until we feel like it should do something else, and and kind of you know work it out. And sometimes it's quick. Sometimes it takes a little bit of you know playing on on some stuff. You know, there's a couple of newer songs yeah, we definitely. played for. I think we've played one way for a few months, and then we're like, "Hey, let's kind of do this," and, and you situate it a little bit better. And of course, and. uh you know, it's just we have a good time playing with each other and just kind of the dynamic of of jamming with each other. And so it's kind of how it, how we still do it. We're ready for the second one. Going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, I mean, we have at least I'd say about six. I was going to say five or six, a handful yeah. of stuff. And yeah. we've got a mountain of riffs, you know, that just sometimes that's the challenge is like, OK, whose turn is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I got another one I want to show you, and it's like, no, yeah. no, no, shut up. Yeah. We've had enough out of you. Um, <laughs> Garrett has so, so many riffs, yeah, man. Yeah. Garrett, go, Garrett. Golly, yeah. he's got so many riffs. The drummer's always got a lot of riffs. Dead Medicine was a Kyle. You asked how that started. Dead, Dead Medicine, Medicine was a Kyle riff that yeah. he, he started that intro riff. He just started jamming on it. I was oh, like, I love that fucking. And I was intro like, riff. what's that? And he, well, this. 
Well, you know, I'd learn it real quick, and then we jammed on that for a minute. It's like, how about this? And you, like I said, add another part and, and work it out, and we just kind of added parts that found uh, felt right. I don't know how long it took. Probably a couple of times running through Not, it, I think. I can't remember if it was that song or it was probably um, uh, <laughs> I don't even know the names of our songs. What's that one? <laughs> <laughs> that one that we always called the super joint song. Well, that's a, yeah, we all know we don't have names for them and so that's what I was saying. Like it's Badlands. Badlands, yeah, Badlands, thank you. But the, the I whole keep wanting to say Bad Medicine because we just Combine the songs. Oh, dude, I was he hoping you wouldn't say night. anything. About it. Dude, <laughs> let the go ahead and die show. Like I, I, so I, you know, the uh, I think it was the second the band after y'all were playing. I was like, yeah. I'll go talk to him after they're done because I don't want to be like, hey, I liked your shit. It was really good. Yeah. Right. Thanks for those doing conversations are always ridiculous. So I was like, I'll wait until you know it's quiet. And I went up to him and introduced myself. Obviously, I was like, dude, I was drunk. I'm not gonna lie, I was drunk. <laughs> I had been drinking before we showed up, and. uh and I went up to, I was like, dude, I love your new album, Bad Medicine's Badass. I'm like, no. And I caught it immediately. And now he's like, oh, thanks. I was like, no, it's dead medicine. I'm sorry. We do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> all I, the time. My, I just pray it never happens on stage. Oh, yeah. I'll but make a song, joke out of it. But that song, like, uh, that song existed for, I wanted, it felt like months. And, like, I just could not put anything to it i don't know what my problem was i just had a brain block on it what do you do are, a lot she of the songwriting like job when you got it it's always it's always they will write the entire you know musical arrangement mm-hmm. and i'll take some like shitty phone recording and then i have to go and hide myself in the bedroom with headphones and like write to it and then i'll show up like three weeks later and be like <laughs> i made the song <laughs> this yeah. is it and then just do it, and it works. And it, yeah. it's awesome. It usually works. There's been, you know, there's, a, you know, we'll tweak it because they'll have really good input on, like, okay, well, maybe this should sound a little more like that, or like we we'll should cut stuff, like, yeah, if, depending to on make what it she work put, better. We'll kind of rank, so we don't get like hardcore married to it, but we just jam on it until she comes, and then when she sh- comes and puts her stuff to add bars to yeah it, man usually she's or, right yeah. on though like she'll hit it on something and you're like mm-hmm. yeah like delivers all you know all the way and so you're like that was fucking exactly what it needed oh yeah and <laughs> and then you adjust from there and and even and that at- just takes me quietly to it. and i i've i'm just not like i just can't really like riff on stuff like in the moment i couldn't from a singing vocal thing i i don't kyle's I really do great at that like he can do. do that he like you know we'll be playing and he'll be like just go like this rah, 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 and i'm like i can't what are you even <laughs> no i yeah, that's amazing yeah. for you um let me record you doing that <laughs> and i'll go write words to it because <laughs> i'm like i can't do that i have to like i i'm like kind of backwards about it where i like i don't um have a melody I have a story that I'm telling and then I just have to like t- make that story fit into whatever melody oh, okay. needs to happen. It's like you're trying to, so like you hear the music, you're like, what story can I tell with this music? Exactly. That's like awesome. a great example of that was Latish because the second I heard that song, I was like, oh, this is the bayou. We're in the swamp. It's like, I, I'm, I'm frightened. Why am I frightened? And so I started thinking about the, the story of the Latish, which is like one of the creepiest stories I think to come out of out of uh, 
the bayous of Louisiana. So that song was just really easy. And, um, and then it just, it sounded like it just had this like, like, you know, Cajun groove to it that I liked it. Yeah. Chris really it. liked it. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that was one of the first did was that song written before you joined the band? It's, almost everything when I came in was in post production. Everything was recorded already. Oh. So uh we had like some demos yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. So that's why I mean I love the album. Uh it's it's fun for me because uh all the stuff we play, it's like I get to be a fanboy that I'm playing on this album. Uh I didn't have <laughs> I mean uh, when I first saw Medicine Horse, it was Turning Tide, and I freaked out when I first saw the video drop, because uh, Nico and I were in the same industry, food industry in Tulsa, so uh, I knew who she was, and we're friends on Facebook, and I saw, when I saw that, I was like, holy shit, this is like acid bath, crowbar-y, like sludgy stuff, you know, and uh, I dug it, shared it all over, tagged a bunch of people. Um, and just kept waiting for more stuff and nothing, nothing ever came out. But, uh, I became friends with Kyle and he asked me to join the band and the album was already recorded. So, uh, it, it's cool that I get to do this part of it, but now writing the new stuff is really fun for me because I get to put on my own twist and yeah. different things. Like I that. mean, it's yeah. kind of like whenever, uh, you know, uh, Bob Daisley recorded all of Bar- uh, Blizzard and, and uh, Diary, yeah. but Rudy fucking Sarzo, he's the guy that did the tour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody remember, you know, everybody loves Rudy Sarzo. You know, I'm just saying you might be Rudy Sarzo. <laughs> I don't want to be bad to be. I'll take it, yeah. I'm just trying to prop it. you up there, yeah, buddy. Yeah, well, uh, oh, we're absolutely. all super excited for these new songs, and I just need to get off my ass and write lyrics to like half of them. There's pretty much a whole... in the room. <laughs> I know. The headphones on. <laughs> I got to tell you, I have been... I've wanted to be like I've pl- like the little playing experience I have. I was in the Red Dirt circuit, right? so I I played Red Dirt shows, playing with guys like that, and I always people don't give you credit. Learning how to play a guitar is way easier than being able to write a fucking song lyrically. I could sit there all day and I can learn. Oh, if I do these chords with these chords, it sounds really good. Arrange them. All right, now I gotta say something that people give a fuck about hearing. Yeah, that's fucking hard. Not sound like an asshole. It's like being like I guarantee you, you could probably write a book with being able to do that, being able to tell the story. That's hard, and I, I, I can write, but like, I just bullshit whenever I do it. It's literally just like, what sounds like? Yeah, what does it sound Mm. like? It's not me. Like I don't know how to do that. I wish I did. Like because if I if I if I'm ever in a band. Which is the goal one day, but if I'm ever that, I can't. I songwriting is not something that is natural to me at all. So I envy you for that because that is. Oh, thank you. It sounds like Robert Plant the way you do it. Like, yeah, I listen to it and I go to the room. I shut all the lights off, put the headphones on. I just think. That's how he said he wrote "Stairway to Heaven." I was like, she's just like Robert Plant. Which is a great company to be. Yeah. In. All right. Okay, I'll Hell take yeah. it. Shoot. Hell yeah. but, Did uh, I just win? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. But, no, uh, but I mean, I feel that same way about like bass or guitar or drums. It's magical to me. Uh, that they're standing there and making those sounds because it, my brain does not work that way. Like I've tried, I am. It, well, the way I always I'm bad about things where I'm like, if I'm not immediately amazing at this, I'm just <laughs> not going to do it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, and I've picked up pretty much every instrument, and I was not immediately amazing uh-huh. at them. Uh, even after a little while, not amazing. So, I, yeah, writing's just one of those things that 
I happen to have a knack for, I think. Well, hey, and I'm you, lucky for that. You even if you're not going to be a guitar player in a famous band, you can learn how to play a G chord. I can't learn how to write a song. You know what I mean? That's tough. Like that's the imagination, creativity, all that stuff. And like I mean, it's what made guys like make guys like Freddie Mercury incredible. The shit he was able mm. to write lyrically. I mean, the guys in Zeppelin, you listen to Jimmy Page play something, Robert Plant goes does his thing, you know, stuff like that. I, you know, Geezer Butler wrote a lot of the music for Black Sabbath. Geezer's bad man. Geezer lyrically like He's incredible. A lot of that Black Sabbath stuff early on, you know, being anti-war, you know, having something to say. There wasn't a lot of stuff. The Doors were a lot like that. Jim Morrison. I, you know what? I don't know about y'all. I don't know if you're big Doors fans. I hear a lot of people say they don't like his writing, but I think it's unique with the way that he wrote because it's like, I don't know what the fuck this guy's talking about. But he's talking about <laughs> something. That's a way I've always kind of put Jim Morrison is like, this guy's talking about Indians on the highway. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck he's talking about. He's having a good time, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's whatever's but, uh, happening up, up in his head. I've always want, like, it's because it's, like, I mean, if you think about it, writing, it's something you have to work at, obviously, but it's not mm. just like a skill you can learn. I can go learn how to play Smoke on the Water, watch YouTube. <laughs> I can't go on YouTube and be like, teach me how to write a song. Like, give me you ideas. You sure about that? There might be. Oh, I'm sure there <laughs> I is. I could probably learn how to change my transmission in my car with YouTube. That's, you oh, you, you absolutely can. can. But yeah. that's but learning how to write a song, come on, how do you teach someone how to do that? How do you teach someone how to be creative and imaginative and, you know, being able to tell a story, listening to a guy play a three-chord progression? It's pra- hard. It's practice. fucking hard. And also, she's practice. not playing an instrument. Her contribution is, <laughs> yeah. I got to put lyrics to this yeah, whole fucking absolutely. thing. You guys are in there jamming, having a good time. She's like... I'm standing up here trying to figure out what to do with my hands. Right, exactly. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. Let me hold on to something. (laughs) But uh, uh, we'll wrap up here with, uh, I know I saw a couple of dates that y'all have, but I just wanted to ask y'all, what do y'all have coming up playing? I saw, which I'm going to try and come to, I think it's in Little Rock. You're playing with, I think Weed Eater's going to be there. Yes, Mutant Fest. Is that in Little Rock? Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, John Garcia. And uh, I love Kaya, um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and make who, that. Uh, Weed Eater and oh, there's a couple other really kick ass bands. Uh, is Telekinetic Yeti, Yeti on, on that, that one? one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, Spirit of Drift, I think, is yeah. on there too. Aren't yeah, they? yeah, that's yeah. the other big one. Yeah, I'm really um, about Weed Eater. it's gonna be cool. That's a that's a cool festival. And uh, Mammoth Caravan, they're on that one. Yeah, oh, they're on yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, it's a two day deal. Um, that is. When is that? May? I think that's in May. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's May. We have one coming up next week at the Canes with uh, explosions in the sky. Uh, that's going to be a really yeah, cool show. We're stoked. Oh, what, yeah. What's what's the day for that? The eighth, February eighth. Is it Friday? Thursday. Thursday, Thursday? at the Thursday. Canes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big big stage, big big sound. I can't wait to hear that kick drum. Boom. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah. I, I saw the Mel- the last time I was at the Canes. I saw the Melvins play um, there, and they sounded. Incredible. We yeah. were there. <laughs> yeah, we were there. Uh, um, and then uh, March second in Van Buren, Arkansas, at Iron Horse Records, uh, and that's gonna be cool. And that's with the uh, Vor, yeah, uh, death metal band. And um, then we're also at the Bottleneck in Lawrence on February twenty third. Oh yeah! I saw you. Who's the band, who's playing with y'all there? Mud Puddle Dive and Horned Wolf. Yeah. See, that's the one I just saw that I couldn't remember because uh, I think San. 
maybe y'all will know. Y'all are involved in the metal community. How do you say uh, they're on tour with Peel and Flesh right now? Uh, Sanguisugabog. You know what I'm talking about? I am the last, <laughs> absolute last person to ever ask how to pronounce anything. Okay, well, that's all I'm trying I'm gonna to find I'm going to go out. with your pronunciation. That sounds well, like you nailed Guskushina. it. Is that Say, what you said? San, it's, it's a, supposed to be a Spanish word combined with one of the guys with the band's last name. I don't know. San It They play in fucking drop I'm, G. I've never and heard so, of that. That doesn't even ring they're, a bell. They're fucking really good. They're on mm. tour with Peel and Flesh and Jesus Peace and this band called okay. Gag. All of them. I recommend all of them. But, okay. but Sanguisugabog, if that's how you say it. I've been listening to them for months. I don't See, know how to fucking say it. just say it real fast. Sanguisugabog. Yeah, it sounded good. Apparently, it means toilet, which sucks blood from your ass in Spanish. I'm sorry, what? That's what it means. It's like an old it's Spanish... the exact translation. It's apparently like a Spanish Inquisition <laughs> torture tool or something. Holy A, a blood-sucking toilet. Put him on the old Sanguisugabog. Yeah. And yeah. Suck him dry. That's what, that's, I mean, that's what I... That's what I suck. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> they call, I mean, they call themselves uh, like drug me- death metal. Uh, like you know, it's like you know, they sound like dirtbags, but they got great music. I okay. love the band. Right. But no, they're on tour with Peel and Flesh Fucking and Jesus. So no, I, I just looked out. it up. I I think that you're nailing that name. That's how I would do it. Yeah, I don't know. San, San so, like, How do you say the the wine? Sangria. No, San Sangria. What is what's the word? Sangiovese. Uh, whoa! whoa. <laughs> I don't See? know. All right, my gosh, my <laughs> Italy. I don't know where I am, but uh, so uh, guys, I just want to say thank you guys so much for doing the podcast. You guys, it means the world to me that you guys were here to do this. And yeah, means thanks the world for having us on, bro. Was fun. It's been so much fun. I'd love great. to get to meet, uh, have Kyle and Garrett on sometime, possibly, and get to meet Kyle. I haven't really got to talk to him much. Sounds like an interesting guy. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to get to talk yeah, to him, and me great. and Garrett can talk about typo <laughs> negative. But uh, make sh- everybody make sure you go check out Medicine Horse. Uh, they plug their dates there. Uh, they got Little Rock. They're going to be at the Bottleneck in Lawrence, and they're going to be in the Canes Ballroom this upcoming week, yeah. and in Van Buren as well. So make sure you check them out. Very active band. You know, apparently they're going to start recording an album. You heard it here first. They're going to start recording an album soon. So now y'all have to. I'm just yeah. Yes. But, um, yeah. I got homework. Kyle's, all Kyle's U2 riffs will be on there. Yeah. He's very heavily influenced by U2 and everything. U2? U2, yeah. Oh, my he gosh. Him. He's going to come him. and find you. Oh, my gosh. And kick the your ass. The edge. That's the, that's the, you know, that's the cream of the crop with guitar right there. Yeah. yeah. Him and every guy that plays in a church band every Sunday. <laughs> oh, the same. <laughs> they sound it. about the same. Oh I'm just God. kidding. <laughs> but anyway, uh, guys, thank you so much for being on. Uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know y'all. Y'all kick ass. Anytime y'all come around, I'll be there next week. Anytime cool. y'all come awesome. around, I'll be there to see y'all. So uh, anytime y'all want to be on the podcast or whatever, let me know. I'd yeah. love to have y'all on if y'all have anything big coming up or whatever. But uh, anyway, guys, thank you guys for uh, being on and thank you all for listening to the arc of rock uh make sure you like share subscribe and download follow the podcast it's available on the apple podcast app and spotify for free thank you all and good night